Welcome to Geek Nerd Tech on Black Hollywood Live. Today we talk about the Olympics and the social media presence, and Hillary Clinton gets a podcast. Let's go. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live's Geek Nerd Tech. I came from the city. Back in the time, 1977. Welcome, oh, okay. <laughs> welcome to Geek Nerd Special Effects of Black Hollywood Live, the show we break down uh, uh, geek tech news and uh, nerd culture from a black and brown geek perspective. I'm Joe Braswell. I'm joined as always by Mr. Keely Shine. Yes, doing? sir, man. Yes, sir. How's it we, going? We in here, man. The get down. The get down. The the Baz Get Lorman. down or lay down. <laughs> Uh, the maybe masterpiece that dropped on Netflix not a maybe. last week. Not a maybe. Um, it's, it's, I mean, I, I've been waiting for this thing for a minute. I'm super excited mm-hmm. about it. Um, it's been just plagued. I read a big, long thing in, in a variety about it. I mean, Baz, man, he, like, he, it went like $150 million over budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Sean Ryan and other notables fired. People brought in. Other notables um, uh, you know, brought in. Uh, to write some pieces, it, it looks like it's got to be spectacular. Everything that I've read and the very little that I've seen, it is all spectacular. And some are saying it's possibly the best show on Netflix ever. Wow, I mean, it's, it's definitely going to be. It's, it's definitely ambitious. I, the, only, the only thing I read about it was the the, the ninety minute premiere is super Baz Lormany in terms of you know CGI, the, all, mixing genres, mixing editings, kind of thing, storytelling, maybe whatever. But I hear. That after that first episode, not the first episode's whack. That after the first episode, it settles into like it's what's probably the best ever. I mean, I, I feel there's probably correl- uh, correlations even how Stranger Things unfolded. Like at mm-hmm. first, for me, Stranger Things, the first episode, I was like, "What is this?" And then like I fell in love with it. And to me, I, I think Stranger Things is up there as one of the best Netflix properties of all time. But Pretty I strong. think this joint. Get Down is, is going to be in the top five for sure. Okay. For well, sure. I, I, I'm, I'm excited to get to it. I'm really, really excited. To get Down for, for or Lay Down. A long, a long time. <laughs> but I will say props to Netflix because these, you know, finding these young actors in Stranger Things, people who you've never heard of, and now in the Get Down, all these people who you've never seen or heard of who exactly. are killing it. And I, and I know this is, we're going off on this, but it's one last thing. Uh, the fact that he had that compound that he had where he like taught everyone had everyone learn authentic moves breakdancing moves from 1979 authentic scratching from the time period you just absolutely came in. Like, i know how to scratch like no 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 no. do it this way it this way the specifics the, the details specific, the details and the hair. I, I love that and everybody's already saying that the the dancing and and the, and the musical stuff is is unlike anything we've ever seen that's why i think it could so, be up there because the authentic is authentic you know it's like literally puts you in that time what what is it what is it what does it mean to you that it takes a, uh, you know, a a, 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 a a white gay Australian man to to, to bring the story of uh, doesn't mean uh, anything. Uh, it's a POV. If he's able to tap into a time period where he's able to to, to bring forth to life how it actually was, I respect it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He's a storyteller. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything against Baz Lorman. He's amazing. It just it just means like. Why is he? Why, that's like, that's like, one, that's like why saying he, Ryan Coogler can't do, you know? No, no, I'm not. The no, next no, no. Rocky movie. The point, the point that I'm, I'm not making the point that he can't do it. The point that I'm making is 
uh, so, you know, that it, take, it took him to get it made, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, so you're talking about more poli- the politics and yes. the business. I understand like, I'm, that. I'm sure, that, I'm sure you can't tell me that this hasn't been pitched a thousand times. I, I completely agree. You know, and then and everyone's like, ah, who wants to see that shit? And then, you know, so anyway. No, I'm with you on that. I'm with that, you on that's, that. Uh, so, so props to, props, props to Baz for getting, for getting that done uh, with the help of a bunch of other people, it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, all I right. Mean, I mean, my last note on it. I just think right now with, you know, we talk about OTT all the time and, Netflix in particular, but the diversity of their slate, I think, is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Like what they're with the offering that they're giving people, like I think it's, it's just it's good TV, it's good entertainment. Sure. Like you have every you have you have everything you could possibly want on Netflix. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I think at this point it would be irresponsible for Reed Hastings and the gang to, with the amount of money they're spending, and they're talking about spending three times as much. They're already outspending everybody, and they're talking about spending yeah. three times as much with the amount of money that they're spending mm-hmm. on original programming. It would be irresponsible for them not to have something for everybody. Right. They have to have something for everybody. You can't just have like we're spending three times as much. We only yeah. have for these people. Like they've got to have something. For that. That, that, that's the goal. It's really I don't mean it. something for everybody. Like it's niched out. Like yeah, this is a this a niched out story. But I feel like it's still for everybody. Right. You like, talk about the diversity in storytelling. Everything. Uh, storytellers. Exactly. Right. Everything. Got it. I, like, I, all because it's hip hop. It's seventies. It's black folks. Like I feel like this is a story for everybody. Sure. Everybody will love it. Just like everyone loves Stranger Things. Yeah. It reminds them of certain times. The eighties. Yeah, it's like everyone loves Stand by Me or whatever. You know, it's the same exactly. same thing. I, I, I completely. Agree with that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time across the board, and, and um, we'll, we'll see. Like, uh, we need to get some of that Netflix money. Ah, uh, man, they're like giving it out, like just burning it, setting it on fire. Right. Like, I'll, t- I'll take the ashes. Exactly. <laughs> like, anyway. Uh, so moving on. So uh, the Olympics is going on right this very second, and as we talked about leading up to the Olympics for a long time, this is going to be the most watched Olympics ever, also the most shared, the most social Olympics ever. And brands. Are, I mean, it already has. Been. Already has been. It already so, has been before it started. Right. Yeah, that's so. that's very, very true. Very true. So our, our predictions were kind of like not really real predictions because it was already it was already kind of preordained. Uh, but uh, I will say, that, but now, you know, of course, brands have, have been capitalizing on that. And some studies sh- came out to show who are the most, you know, the mo- who've been the most social brands. And there's some kind of surprising names. Some names you expect, like Coca-Cola and, and, and GE and, and Visa and Samsung, but some other names like, like Bridgestone Tires and, and Dow Chemical. Yeah. Like those are shockers to me, and, and frankly, and, and Bridgestone actually bumped McDonald's. Bridgestone's like fourth, mm-hmm. bumped McDonald's down to fifth. How's is Bridgestone really like? I mean, the people have vehicles all over the world. Wow, like why not? I mean, I, I think it's a testament to just you know the programming, the non-linear and linear programming, the opportunity for the advertiser to be able to get his or her products in front of in front of a particular audience or even a wide audience. And I think with with the technology and just the, the overall interest in the Olympics this year and just people's um, connection to to the smaller screen, to their tablets and their and their phones. I think it just gives great opportunity for them to have the maximum amount of presence and the maximum amount of interaction because you're able to and the shareability of some of the ads and all that stuff. Like because of that, because of the the ecosystem that we are with technology, like we have the ability to have this conversation with brands it's more, it's, instead of it being a monologue, it's a dialogue. And so I think right. because of that, the numbers are are much higher than any other year before. Yeah, and what, it, it'll, it'll continue down in that fashion as well. What do you, what do you think about the fact? I mean, you know, obviously, the, 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 I'll just run these off. It's Samsung, McDonald's, uh, no particular order. Samsung, McDonald's, Coca Cola, Bridgestone, Omega, Visa, Panasonic, GE, Procter and Gamble, Toyota. Dow and and Atos, whatever the hell that is. Um, these are giant, giant companies. Um, I mean, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that the biggest is it. Is it, is it 
you know, that the biggest fish who spend the biggest money are going to be making the biggest splash. I mean, I, I, mean, I would assume so. I would assume so for, for, for the traditional programming model because, I mean, most of the, the eyeballs, most of the viewership is still, I mean, as it relates to Olympics, is still with linear programming. So, mm-hmm. obviously, you have the big, the big fish spending the big budgets on the biggest platform. Makes perfect sense to me. Right. But, I mean, for some of the medium-sized companies, even though they're still Fortune 500 companies, they're still able to, to play at both tables, you know, play on YouTube, play on, on traditional formats, play on, on every format that, that is, uh, that there's, there's an offering for. So I think, I think it kind of, well, I want to ask, do you think it levels the, the playing field for a medium sized company versus like a top 20 company of the fortune 500 in terms of their competition? Well, that's what I thought. That's what I thought would happen, but apparently not. Cause I'm looking at these, these numbers and they're all like giant fortune 500s. And- Bridgestone is, num- is, as you said, it's fourth place. That's not a, I mean, that's a fortune 500 company, but it's not a top 30 no, it's company. It's not a top 30 company. It's not Procter and Gamble, you know, which is, you know, and others or McDonald's or Coca-Cola, but still, um, but also, yeah, I, I, I thought it would, but you know, I think it's kind of a way how to how to uh, because it's not necessarily just about. I also wonder about how this works because you know, looking at these best performing hashtags, uh, you know, some of them are like two of them are, are by Coca Cola, but ironically don't feature Coca Cola in the name, right? So Coca Cola did uh, that's gold, and I can't even read this one. Oh, uh, I can't read this last one, but th- th- that's gold, and another one, and then another, neither of them say Coca Cola. Now hashtag Coca Cola is uh, seventh. But it's not one and two. So the irony of them having the top two performing hashtags, but not one of them be Coca-Cola. Samsung uh, is the fourth highest performing hashtag, and it is hashtag Samsung. That seems like the biggest win to me. Right? <laughs> if, if your name is the highest performing hashtag, the fourth highest, I mean, you know, uh, Nissan That's is... That's definitely a win for Samsung. Yeah, I mean, so they, everyone's, everyone's doing all these things to create these clever hashtags right. to associate with your brand. But if you can just get your brand up there, I mean, that's the, that's the win, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Um, so I know we, we covered a few weeks back about Apple and the, the world, the, what, what do they call it, the world campaign video, the world video, whatever. Like, where's Apple on the list? Did they even make top 10? Mm-mm. That's, That's a great question. Apple's not... No, Apple didn't even make the top nothing. That's the a great nothing. point. Yeah, they, well, first of all, Apple, Apple is a worldwide company, but it's an American-based company, really. I mean, as is Coca-Cola, I guess. But, you know, I don't think of... It's interesting. I guess Apple is a global company, but their global yeah. penetration... But but in, in, in their direct... Well, some of their direct, their direct hardware competitor is Samsung. And Samsung's up there. That's what I'm saying. Now, granted, Samsung does do a lot more consumer electronics than, arguably, than Apple does with TVs and, 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 and appliances and refrigerators and everything else. But that is interesting. Samsung's number four. Apple's not, nowhere to be found. <laughs> that is very interesting. Uh, top performing hashtag, uh, Rio, Rio 2016 Olympics football, Rio de Janeiro, and Rio. So, um Another thing that's surprising to me of a company is Nike. Nike's not even in the top ten. Yeah, I mean, no shoe companies, right? And you, I mean, you would think every image no of the Olympics companies. is Nike. You know, yeah. everyone has Nikes on. What do you? Some athlete that has Nike. That, that, I have that, no that, idea. Is that, is, that, is that a failure? So when you see that, and you see like the opportunity of Nike, you know, the biggest shoe company in the world, sponsoring the biggest platform of the world, every athlete's got a swoosh on. Yet they can't even crack the top ten. Is that a failure on their social media? Is that a failure of people's lack of awareness? I mean, like, I don't think it's a failure of a lack of awareness. Maybe it's just people aren't uh, emotionalized by the by the ads. Maybe it's not speaking to them. Maybe the narratives 
are, aren't bringing them to action. But I mean, definitely they have a presence. It's on every every image, you know. I just so. I just I really find it fascinating that the hashtag Samsung is number four. I would never in my life be moved to hashtag a brand, right. hashtag McDonald's, hashtag Samsung. But see, I think I know why. Because a lot of these brands that are on the list aren't obviously versus Nike. It's on athletes. It's on their on their shoes. Sometimes it's on their uniform. Right. Like they, they're not running ads. As, as heavy as like a Samsung, so right. maybe that's that's the reason. That's why. A good point. I mean, I guess it has to do with your spin and what your what your penetration is, and but it's very fascinating to see. Like, it's one thing to talk about social media, the most shared ever and the buzziest, but like, who's really capitalizing on these eyeballs or on these on these uh, on this attention? Like, and how are they capitalizing? Which is will continue to be the debate. Like, it, it'll, and it'll, it'll, I'll wonder. I'm sure Ad Week will have a bunch of think pieces and stuff on this in the last for the next like two months. But I wonder who will be the ad agencies and the ad campaigns and the ad things that emerge, the social, the digital agencies that emerge who really won globally. Because there's always people who were nobodies and now they're somebodies or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. That'll be interesting to track and find out. Um, moving on, there's some just some share shareable buzziest moments. There's some obvious ones. A lot of swimmers. It seems like it's all swimmers and all gymnastics. But for you personally, what was what, was, what did you see? What was your like most shareable moment? Um, I, I've been I've been you know getting my fair amount of Olympics in. I've seen pretty much all the the major highlights. Mm-hmm. Definitely Phelps. Uh, I think he's an animal and a beast. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's top three. Uh, he is. I think he's third place actually yep. uh, for this week. Um, obviously, Bolt. I mean, my man came through. He did it. You know, can't can't, can't argue against it. I mean, seven <laughs> seven seven runs, seven and, goals, and smiling as he as Every he crosses time. the finish line, smiling. Like, <laughs> While the people are damn near dying. Was that dude just hurt? <laughs> I know, like two months ago, oh, hamstring pull. I'm no doctor. But anyway, anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, I think. Um, I mean, those two are the most notable. But uh, right. I've been following a lot of Carmelo Anthony's content. Yeah, um, he's been doing a lot of great video posts on his on his um, Instagram Absolutely. page. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. Like your your digital um, your digital uh, what is it called? Uh, it's called the DER digital. Um, wow, I'm drawing a blank. Sh- wow, let me look it up real quick because I don't want to. I don't want to jack it up. No, it's all right. Um, well, I'll, I'll, yeah, I got it. Okay. It's called the digital engagement rating. Okay, got it. And so what that is, based on all your social media platforms, so it's Twitter, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, and everything in between, the rating is based on how much interaction you're getting with your fans. Based on content that you generate, based on just general conversation um, about the content you, you create and generate. And so I think though Michael Phelps was top top three, or he was third in the top top five. And so I think because of his, I don't know if you follow his Instagram, but he's very very active. Um, and I think that's how they're basing you know the top athletes based on how much they post, based on what content obviously is being um, reposted, shared, and all that good stuff. Yeah, so. it's interesting to find out like the, the the motivation behind these athletes posting because a lot of it. I mean, there there are a lot of you know. Lots at stake in terms of brand wise. I know people who get ten thousand dollars a post and other and other things. Like I wonder how much of this is are they capitalizing and cashing into these posts? But most of them just seem like they're just having fun. Like you know, like Durant posting a picture with uh with Phelps. It seems like hey, I just want to post a picture of Phelps. Like yeah, you know, they're, they're organic. Yeah. Um. And by the way, like that picture of Durant and Phelps. I mean, you know, Phelps is tall, but Durant he makes Phelps look like a little kid. Yeah. And like a little kid, they're both, they're both real skinny too. That's interesting. Uh, the last thing I want to mention about this is the whole Gabrielle, even following the Gabrielle Douglas sort of, of course, con- controversy, if you will. I mean, Gabby, you, I can't yeah. believe you called him Gabrielle. <laughs> the, well, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Gabrielle, the Gabby, people calling her Crabby Gabby and all that other stuff. I mean, this is, 
I don't know. Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's tough. I think it's tough that you know it's like you're in, you're in the limelight four years ago and everyone loves you and now mm-hmm. you know the tide turns, but like for for unju- unjust reasons, you know, like what is she supposed to be doing exactly, <laughs> like they're like, you know crafting these these negative stories, like oh you're not putting your hand on your heart during the, you know you're you're not just being supportive of your teammates, like all all this stuff that they're you know putting on her that's not really happening. It's like man, like why am I receiving all this hate? For what you know, right? I think that's kind of sad. I think it's sad. What's the nature? It's the nature of uh, where we are as as a society and how we communicate over social media. Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 I don't know, it's interesting. But uh, the Olympics and one last thing before we move on from the Olympics, I do want to mention. um, You know, we saw that uh, that moment, which was a which was a big moment yesterday with uh, with uh, uh, Abby D. I can't can't say uh, Abby D. Agostino helping Nikki Hamblin after um, they you know they had a little crash and she Mm -hmm. fell and got up and tried to you know that was every time I see something like that it kind of chokes me up like a little bit because it's just like you think these people work their whole lives for this moment and then they fall when they when they get up to finish the race it's heartbreaking but to see the the the, you know. people work together and come back and sort of work through that. I think that was, that was a cool moment. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it speaks to the, the greater concept and, and, and philosophical position of what the Olympics are for. And that's, you know, although we are a, a, a globe full of nations, but we really are one one people. We are really one. And so I think bringing everyone together to demonstrate the best of who we are as, a, as humanity, I think is the point of the, of the Olympics. And flushing out, um, flushing out whatever negative... <laughs> issue we might have through the the act of athletics i think is is, is a healthy way to to showcase showcase who we are you know yeah so. uh so moving on so audi is really we talk about like smart cars all the time but audi's really taking it one step other with a connect prime their, their new feature they're, they're they're actually uh you know over their internet or the lte connection at least uh they're gonna they're gonna um give you not only real-time traffic traffic information which we have through Waze and other stuff like that they're taking it one step further they're getting you when traffic lights are going to be changing mm-hmm. so they'll, they'll, they'll they time these I'm, I'm not sure how this works I don't know, but but it's they're able to display the light and have a countdown as to how many seconds until the light changes red or green um first of all is this gimmick here is this useful um I think I think it 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 could be useful it sounds gimmicky um, but yeah, like the 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 Audi technology will be able to plug in into the city's um, traffic infrastructure, and so mm-hmm. uh, essentially it, it'll it'll create a feed that will communicate literally like the time that a light will be green and it will count down to red, or how long the, the light will be red until it ticks up to green. And so in those times, you're able to you know judge should you turn to right, left, go to this light because you might make it because it's green. Or right. I, I mean, I get it in, in in concept that it could be something that could help you help you help reduce traffic or help reduce you know your time in traffic. Um, but that but I do think that is gimmicky because I don't know I don't really know how useful that is. Like if that's really going to save you time. Is is it really going to help with your your increase your productivity because you're not on the road as much? Or like I, I mean I I don't I don't if you were asking me to invest money into this, would I? I don't think I would. It doesn't seem too appealing to me. Like in terms of where we are as it relates to transportation and autonomous vehicles and all the, all these other things that are that people are teetering with. Like I think this is like kind of like a gimmick. 
Yeah. Like, cars are going to be driving us. Like, it, we don't have to even worry about it. You yeah, know? It, it seems very gimmicky, but it also seems, it is kind of cool to look down and see that, the, like, this is something I would love, but probably have no real actual use for. <laughs> but I, if it seems more distracting, I'd be like, five seconds to go in the light. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, what are you doing? You getting ready? Like, does it make you time your, your route better? Is it, but, uh, I think it. I think it will cause more accidents. To be honest, because oh shit, I'm gonna try to make the red light. Ten seconds. Yeah, yeah. For it, you know. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting on that. Uh, okay, uh, moving on to that. Ford says it's gonna start selling driverless cars by 2021, which is that's pretty quick. I mean, look, that driverless technology is here. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been already hundreds of thousands. Google's already driven hundreds and hundreds of thousands of, of driverless hours already with like. You know, something like two accidents saying, like, it's the safest thing ever, like, you know, so, and both accidents were, like, some goofy thing that happened. Um, I think other companies have done hundreds of thousands of hours. Everyone's out there just driving, cars just driving nonstop, testing this stuff around the country. And, uh, you know, Ford seems to be confident enough that we they will have it together by 2021. Although, people like Google says they'll be ready, like, yeah, they're ready now. Um, they're kits that people can buy. You know, kid, kids are buying kits now. Not just kids, but you know, hobbyists are buying kits to build in their own driverless cars. Like you can, you can, you can, you can build these things and have the software. So, I mean, I don't know. Is this? I mean, I, I guess, I guess we're here, right? I mean, Ford is Ford is Ford. I mean, I mean, Ford, Ford is making the the argument or putting the flag in the soil, saying that not only will we, you know, bring our company into you know future technology, but we're, they're saying they're going to provide the hardware and the software that will be used. Period. Blanketly. Throughout, throughout, um, tr- throughout any type of transportation, right. that's what they're arguing. But I think the the point is that typically or historically, um, the usage of automobiles has been a product. You go in and you buy a car right. and you drive the car. So now their business model is making that product now a service. So instead of you going to purchase a car, now all you have to do is purchase the service. And so they're banking on well, thousands and thousands of miles of people buying to take them from point A to point B and back again. Like we're gonna we're gonna make our money off that, you know. And so I, I think, and they're even suggesting they're not even gonna have a, an accelerator or a brake even in the car. Like all you do is get in the car and it takes you you plug in your destination like you would do on Uber or Lyft, and it takes you to where you need to go. And they're making money. I think it's a different business model. Yeah. Just to think that you know it's gonna it could theoretically save on pollution, it could save on um, traffic, it could it could it could reduce um, the, the the building of parking lots because now people don't have to park their car anywhere. The cars are always in motion, and this is the same thing that uh, Elon Musk is saying he wants to do with Tesla. Like because you use five percent five percent of the time you're in your car, the other ninety five percent your car is not even being used. Yeah. So why not figure out a way to make money off the vehicle or, or, or lease out the vehicle to someone else to, to give them the usage. Sure. And I mean, I, it's, it's, it's also, I mean, also productivity for yourself too. I mean, it's the active versus passive argument. Obviously you're actively engaged driving the car where, you know, if you're not, if you're a passenger, you can be, you can be passively engaged, which means which frees you up personally to be, be, be more productive theoretically. Um, you know, it's something I, I just, I just wonder about the, you know, the idea of, you know, part of, cars and driving car being car enthusiasts is the pleasure of driving the car and having that experience of driving the car it's not just functional transportation i mean it's not just about functional transportation so yeah but but you'll have an option you'll have an option right but it's interesting to see that ford getting into the transportation business as opposed to getting to the car business and then also into the software business but um i don't know i mean i i man when i when i when i take a look at this concept and just where we are with transportation i feel like if i imagine a world where like literally i don't have to to drive Mm -hmm. and it's safe and i and it's cheap Mm -hmm. like 
do I really want a car? Do I really want to drive? Or would I be wanting to do other things? I don't I mean, know. Like, I I think that might become like a pastime. I mean, it's one, one, one more thing that uh, it looks like, man, Steven Spielberg and his gang, a minority reporter, are like, they're like 10 for 10. Like, they're one more thing they're getting right with, with, the, with, the, with the cars. Uh, I believe, uh, you know, uh, Paul Verhoeven or um, one of those guys um, had it right with, with uh, Total Recall, too, with the Johnny Cab. Mm-hmm. You know, um, anyway. I mean, do you, no, I'll throw you a question. Do you think that, I mean, we, we're in the era of transition where products are becoming services. And do you think that this type of zeitgeist, the zeitgeist that we're in, of that happening will continue to happen more. I mean, there's case by case in, in multiple in- industries where once once of a time there was you could buy a product, but now it is something that it, it serves you. Yeah, I think I think that that's kind of the absolutely where we're headed, and I think that like it'll, it'll be interesting to see if it enhances society or 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 doesn't enhance society. I keep going back to Wall-E, you know, the, the Pixar movie Wall-E, where we're all. You know, the, the humans of the future are like in these pods being floated around with with virtual reality headsets on and being fed, you know, food, you know, and in, in, in these in these big giant big gulp drinks. And uh, like, I don't know, like it, it, it's, you know, the, the it's it's one thing. I like the idea of things being passive and, and then things becoming services to aid you. But if it becomes a point where everything is passive to the point you're really doing nothing. You know, but but experiencing these services and, and being catered to, then where are we as human beings? How do we excel, learn, get exercise, interact? Like that's a, that's a new question. You know, as we get into the world of Oculus yeah, Rift, virtual realities, and what about the products that are now services that are mundane, like driving? Driving is mundane. Like you have to do it to get from point A to point B, right. and that takes time. Would you rather not use that time for other creative creative exploration? Of course, of course. I mean, this is sure. I mean, I would love to be in the car and doing other stuff and. You know, being driven somewhere, but also I like I like, I like the the idea of getting in the car and driving across that's why, country. That's why you throw on your VR headset. Okay, <laughs> so I'm trying to call caught on my <laughs> doing something else. Oculus Rift, while I'm in the faster seat. Exactly. Uh, I don't know, man. Disengagement. So so many so many so many movies. Hey, folks! Welcome to Geek Nerd Tech on Black Hollywood Live, the show where we break down tech news and nerd culture from a black and brown geek perspective. Sadly, we are not here this week one more time, but I do want to tell you about our friends over at Loot Crate, the place that gives you collectibles, apparel, and all your favorite pop culture franchises. Everything you need right to your door every single month. Each crate has cool stuff like t-shirts, comics, Harry Potter, Marvel Comics, Fallout 4, Star Wars, all so much more, and it costs us $20 a month. So, check it out. Come geek out with us. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription service. Um, It's a box with epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear less than 20 bucks a month you get 68 items that include licensed gear apparel unique one-of-a-kind items and more uh, you have until the 19th at 9 p.m pacific to subscribe to get this month's crate and when the cutoff happens it's over so 9 p.m to get this month's uh, uh, exclusive collectibles and when that's it it's over they're gone make sure you head over to lootcrate.com uh, backslash GNT and enter the promo, promo code GNT to save three dollars off any new subscription. That's lootcrate.com backslash GNT. Enter the promo code GNT to save three dollars off any new subscription. This month we're celebrating the anti-hero from bad guys doing things for the wrong reasons for good guys with questionable tactics. August is a perfect time to explore the anti-hero. Walk the hero-villain line with a 100% exclusive collection for the items from DC Comics, Archer, Dark Horse, and Kill Bill that includes two great collectibles, a wearable, and of course, a monthly tee. And don't forget the pen. What's that? Oh, of course. Thank you. Uh, 
speaking of technology, um, we're talking to about our friends from General Assembly. Uh, if you guys are looking for a career in tech, uh, data, business, digital marketing, any of those things, are um, if you're trying to get a promotion or a raise, to excel in your career, you need 21st century training and skills. General Assembly is the largest, most respected school worldwide for people seeking to grow their talents and master the marketplace. Uh, whether it's learning remotely, online, or, or, or in person, one of their beautiful campuses, you can join more. more you can join one of the more than 350,000 people who already gotten training and need to, they need to prepare their careers in in. Uh, tech or business. More than 2,500 companies worldwide use General Assembly graduates. 99% of the graduates who participate in GA's career services land a new role in the field within six months of starting their job search. That's, oh, that's, we, that's awesome. That, that, that's really incredible. Uh, six months of starting a job search. Here's what you do. Take control of your career right now. Uh, find out more at ga.co backslash geek. That's ga.co backslash geek. Enter promo code geek and save on your first class workshop or event. That's ga.co backslash geek. Code word geek. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, General Assembly. General Assembly. Get it done. Campus or online. Um also, if you can learn at home if you want, or you can go, or you can go to the campus. Yeah. You know, whatever, whatever you want to do. A uh, couple other, other quick ones. Nasculus Rift is is something that sounds like is. I swear, I kept looking at this and looking at my calendar. Is it April Fools? Uh, South Park: The Fractured But Whole uh, New Game has something called Nasculus Rift, which supposedly goes over your nose and, and is able for you to have a sense a sense. Uh, experience playing the game is this real oh uh, yeah it's real i mean it feels it looks so goofy but i guess it's real i mean it's it's, it's definitely an add-on to your vr headset um mm-hmm. and some are making the argument that it, it could be you know a gimmick or it could fail like uh like xbox with um with um what's the xbox add-on um, oh the, that's not a failure connect yeah the connect I mean, so i'm the, still using connect yeah, but I mean, connect, connect, connect in in the industry. People would claim to claim it as a failure. Right. Like it didn't really jump up. So I don't know. Right. People are arguing that this might be kind of like along the same lines. Hmm. But I love the fact that you know it's exploring using you know other senses. I mean, and, and your your I mean the ability to smell like that that affects everything. And so if you're in a, in a piece of content, you're watching a piece of content, or you're interacting or playing a game, like and to be able to smell the environment. Who knows? That might really have a, have a sense of authenticity, like that let, that you would not be able to find playing the game in any other way. So, I don't know, man. I, I I don't know if this is something that would take off, and you would find this, you know, in all different types of games, or if this is just kind of like a one off. And but I think for a one off for uh, South Park, I think it's a great pairing. It's a great match. What, what's interesting to me about it is it's funny that South Park of all games, which is basically of all properties, which is essentially a two D, you know, sort of experience, would have this sort of you know uh, sensory experience when you're looking at these two D characters bounce around. But uh, it seems a little gimmicky to me. But I guess this is where it's heading. I mean, pretty soon we'll have set the full helmet. That'll be plugged into your nose and your ears and your eyes and man, you know I don't know what's next. I won't be having anything plugged into my ears and nose. No, I mean, <laughs> I, the whole the whole thing is scary to me. Uh, okay, we want to skip this next one, but I want do, do want to talk about the Air Force is offering their drone pilots an extra seven hundred one hundred seventy five thousand dollars to stick around uh, for an extra five years. I mean, basically, the you know drone 
pilots are in such high demand and it seems like the drone the drone program in my and this is my estimation is is, is cranking up that they're they're jumping their bonuses up uh you know from twenty five thousand dollars a year to thirty five thousand dollars a year. I mean what do what do you what do you make of this? I, mean, I was gonna ask you why do you think they're they're bumping it up? Why do you think that, you know, there there is such a, a increase? Uh drone warfare just drone not not only drone warfare, but drone surveillance and drone operations are at a whole all time high and whether it's whether it's under the Obama administration, uh, but whether it's just the way technology is, whether it's the way we're fighting wars now or collecting surveillance, it's at all time high. I mean drones are are, are, are a are an integral part of, of how the military operates and and so uh we need more drone pilots. Well, what it's saying is that, yeah, that is the case. I mean, instead of instead of having a, you know a manned aircraft, it's it's un it's unmanned now. But like, just they said something like 150 people will go out for the program, and 240 people will quit within the same year. Mm-hmm. And so, like, their retention um, rate is is super low. Like, and so that's why they're bumping up the salaries because they want to be able to incentivize people to be in the program because they're not keeping people. People are saying, oh, I can't do this. It's too traumatic. And like, there's a lot of post-traumatic, um, there's a lot of PTSD that, that's involved. Like you, you do a, a, a drone strike, a 500-ton bomb depletes a, a, a city or a town, and you're seeing the ramifications of that. And that's right. having a direct effect on why people are, are saying, I can't do it because it's, it's, it's killing them off psychologically. Like, and they, it's just too painful. And so they're using this extra bonus to incentivize people to come in. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. The detachment, and there was that movie that recently about this, the Helen Mirren movie, the detachment that you experience you know, from that, as you mentioned, you know, especially in a video game era. I mean, these, these people who were trained now or came up on Call of Duty and these other games, and it's really interesting, um, you know, that, that you know, what, what this does to these guys and being locked in that room. And, and, and doing that psychologically, it's, it's, it's a whole different, different, different ball game. But, um, anyway, maybe, maybe this person will either double down on that or change that. But Hillary Clinton, uh, is hosting her own podcast, which I think is very, very, very progressive and cool. She's not really hosting it. She's co-hosting it. She's actually part of it. She's actually, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a move to give sort of dispatches from the campaign trail. Uh, I think it's a smart move, although podcasting, um, speaks to a very, very specific demographic. So I don't know how much the outreach is, but it does speak to a younger demo. Uh, I think this is a very, very smart move, taking a page out of the Obama communication team and just doing some progressive things. Uh, I think this is very cool. I haven't listened to one yet, but it seems like it's only like 15 minutes long, but they're still kind of cool. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think it's cool. Um, I mean, it shows that, you know, she's trying to connect with the audience where they are and what platform they are. And so, I mean, just like we talk about all the time on the show, how the candidates are using social media and how they're spending more ads on social media than they are on TV, like, and how the game has kind of shifted and changed and transformed. And so you have to be adaptable. And this is, this is a great way that, that Hillary Clinton is doing that to be able to speak to her supporters, followers, and to be able to gain new newbies. And so I think, um, yeah, just ha- having the technology to be able to communicate and, and be able to communicate in this form and set up shop wherever she is. She might be in Miami for an episode. She might be in New York for episode two. She might be somewhere across the world for episode three. And she's still able to communicate and give you intimate details as to what's going on currently or, you know, anecdotal stuff that happened in the past. Like, it's perfect. It makes you it makes you want to have more 
more of a a, a loyalty to her. So. Absolutely, I mean, and podcasts, as you know, I mean, you know, the, because they're like right in your, your earbuds and your, your it's a medium where you feel really intimately connected to the to the listener and who you're listening to, and you feel like you know them well. I mean, mm-hmm. I met so many podcasters that I've listened to for years and met them in person. I feel like I'm their best friend. I realized that oh, I'm not. I don't even know you. And so that that I think this is really good because Hillary definitely needs some humanizing it's just so uh i you know i don't know how this could be bad unless she comes off as i mean would it be bad for trump to have this as a, as an option uh i mean i i mean for, this is interesting you said i think trump's the one guy who this may not work better for i mean trump trump is a guy who i think is, this will work great for him well he seems to be a guy who's more on more of a, on a on a loud platform situation i don't know how, i don't know an intimate hour with trump like on a, on a regular basis it's just too many opportunities for gaffes and too many opportunities for free. I do. I mean, do we? Do people really want to get to know the real Trump? Oh yeah. I mean, I think they do. I know, but but do you think that'll help him? I mean, uh, Hillary's only like doing. If you only got she, to know the real me. You Hillary's me. doing short short form. She's doing fifteen, maybe thirty yeah, minutes. Like controlled. Trump Trump could do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I guess well, no, I, he might. He might be like, okay, Hillary's doing that. Let me try to pivot and do it too. I, I would be. I would be shocked. The Trump um, podcast. Uh, God, so many things. Uh, I want to uh, get to uh, just quick. Let me run through these things really quickly. Google is coming out with a wants to help us vote, which I think is a great idea. Uh, they trying to implement this uh, a system they have called uh, you know in, in uh, what's basically in depth in depth search results for how to use valid cast a ballot and and it helps. Uh, people in places like Arizona and others really like uh, you know get get to the polls and, and utilize uh, be informed more more than they should. I think Google does have a responsibility as large as they are to sort of to to help people with this. As does Facebook, I think. Yeah, I mean we talk about all the time. You know, corporations or or social media companies having a degree of social responsibility. And I think what Google's doing is civic responsibility. In a way, it's instructing, educating young folk, all folk really, about how to vote. And it's it's making the argument that saying the more that it's easily presented, and the more that you're able to um, again retain the information, like that translates into you actually going to vote. And so oftentimes people don't vote because they don't have the information, they don't know how, they don't have the education, they don't have the facts to be able to make an informed choice, and also just how to go about doing it. They don't know. And so Google's saying, we will help you with that. We'll use our platform to be able, and and we will not, you know, be biased, and and we won't promote a a candidate because of of our own personal interests. We'll, We'll be very impartial, very objective, and just give you the information. I love the fact that a company of that scale is doing something like that. Cool, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's it's good for them. And I wonder if people are going to be having these these clamoring uh, about you know uh, the liberal liberal Google and like they were about Facebook. You know, the idea of like getting involved in the election. You know, because they're the Silicon Valley company, they're they're left leaning when they're actually a giant global ubiquitous company at this point. But um, I wonder about that. But we'll no, but that's the thing. They're saying we're not going to give you any leanings. We're not right. going to give you any. It, but it doesn't stop people from complaining about the meddling. You know, the whole idea of like, you know, that, that that's my point. But we'll see. Um, uh, I think that's it. I want to just say for this. I think that's it. But I do want to. One last thing I do want to mention is I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, mention uh, Mr. Kenny Baker. 
uh, is 81 years was 81 years old. He passed away, best known as uh, as R2D2. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because in R2D2 now the technology is such that there's a there's a bunch of R2D2s. There's hobbyists who make these R2D2s and remote control and full size R2D2. But um, you know, in 1976-77, uh, the technology wasn't there, and you needed a person inside actually controlling that. And and he did that for every Star Wars except for this last one, even though he was uh, he was there. But I think it was too, I think it's too ill to me in the Force Awakens, although. Um, uh, uh, well, he was he was there as a consultant. He's there as a consultant. Okay, so, good. So, uh, so good for him. But uh, R.I.P. Kenny Baker. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's awesome just to see, you know, I mean, reading about him and just getting you know different stuff that I never really knew about him. I think it's cool just in terms of how he got in the business as an actor and as a performer. Really, he started in the circus and just you know navigating his way through the industry and, and landing a role like that and, and so iconic. And, that, and to know that, you know, he was in there, some of the scenes were shot in the desert and it's hot and like, yeah. that man was sweating his ass off and he was just getting it done. I think, I think that's pretty cool, man. Just a piece of popular culture that, you know, can't take for granted, you know, so yeah. it was very iconic. And I do so. want to share, Mark Hamill had a very cool tweet. Uh, he said, goodbye, Kenny Baker, lifelong loyal friend. I loved his optimism and determination. He was the droid I was looking for. That, that's pretty dope. So RIP Kenny Baker. Uh, and I think that's it. Anything else? No nah, man, I, I I think that uh, yeah man, we gotta we you gotta definitely check out the get down and go through that, binge that up. Yep. And I can't, I can't honestly this this weekend that's what I'm gonna be on get yep. down. And just man, we could talk about that I guess next next time. Yeah, next we'll talk about it next time. Uh, uh, we have a show 50 Years of Star Trek that 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 aired on History Channel that that will be I think airing again, but you can check it out on on history.com, uh, history.com mm-hmm. and on uh, Apple TV as well. Uh, we produced it and uh, it's good. 50 years of Star Trek. Check it out. We'll talk about more about it next week. Thanks. Bye. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Christian, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram me at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.